Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Regarding ID podcast. I'm Gina Jordan. Researchers at Binghamton University in New York have developed a technology that can verify a person's identity by measuring the brain's response to certain stimuli. The technology is called BrainPrint, and it's getting the attention of the security industry. The team was led by Sarah Laszlo, assistant professor of psychology, and Jean-Ping Jin, assistant professor of electrical and computer engineering. We spoke with Dr. Jin. As a computer engineer, I usually work on the brain-computer interfaces. So the basic idea is how we can collect and interpret the EEG signals, basically representing your brain activities, and then to convert that into some control commands. As you can see from those tech videos, you can control some you know, robots or something else using your brain thinking. So that's my conventional research area. And so we had some very interesting discussion initially, and we think about how we can better leverage those brain-computer interfaces. And now, somehow, I come up with the idea, see, okay, Sarah, could you please tell me if there's something we can see differently from the brain waves? And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about if there are some unique features on each individual's pattern. Sarah is a, you know, expert in psychology and the cognitive science, and she confirmed that. Oh, yeah, that uh, could be possible, and we can do some experiments. And uh, later on, we come up with some idea on the experiments, and we collect the preliminary results, and uh, we are very excited about the results. And then, you know, we think, okay, now we can go further to think about some new technology that can be used as a human biometrics based on your brain thinking. Their study, titled BrainPrint, was published online last year by the academic journal Neurocomputing, and more information is available in the Binghamton University magazine. We think about, okay, everyone somehow have a different thinking and uh, you know, mind, and uh, a more interesting scenario is when we, uh, all of us are facing the same picture or same thing, so we will come up with different ideas. The reason behind that is this kind of external information, what we call external stimuli, so they will be associated with your own memory and knowledge. However, for each of us, we grew up over the past 30 years, 40 years, or even longer. So we share completely different memory and knowledge. You know, even the twins, you know, they cannot have exactly the same memory and knowledge. So given that difference, so we think about that will provide us a very strong scientific rationale to support our, our idea is, you know, we can make use of your unique non-volitional response. We highlighted the word non-volitional, which means that is the intuitive response triggered by some external stimuli. I can give you one example for myself. I was beaten by a dog when I was young. So I will feel very nervous the first time, the very short, first short period of time when I saw a dog. That kind of response is closely related to your own experience. No one else, they may share exactly the same response. And someone else may be more sensitive to another type of the video stimuli, the picture of flowers or whatever. So even you think about it, you will have strong feelings when you see a picture of your immediate family member. But no one else will have that. The team recorded the brain activity of volunteers who were shown hundreds of images in quick succession. The volunteers were outfitted with an electroencephalogram headset. Images like food, luxury items, and celebrities flashed before them at half-second intervals. 
for the specific technology, what we developed is you think about the conventional biometrics, things like the fingerprints. So what you normally do is just uh, touch your, put your finger on those kind of type of sensors, and then they will capture the pattern of your fingerprints, and then to do a pattern matching, you know, see, okay, if you are the person who owns these fingerprints. That's a conventional biometric. Similar idea is we need to rely on the EEG acquisition, the brainwave acquisition equipment, some wearable neural headset, the EEG headset. We will collect your EEG brainwave signals, you know, and also at the same time, we'll randomly present some video stimuli, could be a selected set of the pictures, and we quickly change the pictures in front of you. And then, because this quick shuffling will trigger your non-volitional response, so we show the pictures, those video stimuli in front of you. At the same time, we collect your EEG brainwave data using those wearable sensors. Now, when we have that, we will only rely on the very first short period of time, the data, because that is the true response. And then small segments of your EEG brainwave data will be your brain prints. And we will do the pattern matching on those segments of data and to see, okay, if you are the right person. You know, if you are the right person who owns these brain prints. The team initially boasted a 97% accuracy rate, correctly identifying the one person they were looking for out of a group of 32 based on that person's responses. Since then, the team reports achieving 100% accuracy. You know, you may feel very nervous at the very beginning, but you can control your mind later. So we are particularly interested in the very first short period of time. That is the part, what we call is your non-volitional pre-response. After that, it's not anything useful because you will come into a new stage when you have the full control over the, your brain thinking. So actually, what we are, you know, according to our study, so that period of time is only less than one second. You know, less than one second. And we'll see, you can continuously record your EEG brainwaves. And then from the time moment, when we show those video stimuli on the screen, and we'll record your signal, maybe just less than one or two seconds. So far, the entire process could be, you know, less than two or three minutes, finish the entire settings. And actually, the most challenging part for the brain print technology is not the brain printing itself. It's the difficulty of collecting the EEG brainwave signals. Although, in the market right now, there have been a lot of wearable devices that can help us to collect the EEG brainwave signals, but uh, they still are not as easy as the fingerprint sensor or, you know, the face camera. The brain is different from other biometrics in that the prints are cancelable. They can't be stolen in the way that fingerprint can. And they can be easily changed by bringing in new stimuli. Just as passwords are reset periodically, Jin says users would be encouraged to generate a new set of brain prints using new images. He explains how the brain print research differs from other studies involving brain biometrics. Most of them, they proposed what we call is, you know, active manner. Active manner means that... I ask a user to think about something, imagine something in her own brain. Nobody else can know that. So just keep that secret. You think about anything you want. And then next time when you come to the same setting, if, because you know, only you know exactly what you thought about before. So you think about the same thing again, and I capture that brain waves, and then to see if there is a match between that. So that what we normally call is active manner. Active manner... Obviously, you know, because they have some hidden information only known by yourself, it's secure. 
but the user knows exactly how to generate this brain print. Because you know, okay, when I think about, for example, my car, my dog, or, you know, whatever in my mind, so I'm going to generate my unique pattern, and I know that. But what we propose is even more secure method is passive manner. Passive manner is the user has no control at all how to trigger and generate this brain print because it's completely non-volitional. Just like sometimes when you face some urgent situation, you feel nervous, you have no way to control that. You know, that's somehow what we think about it even more secure because even the user themselves, they have no way to disclose those secure credentials to anyone else. Jin says they've already seen some exciting results, but there's more to do in order to fully establish the brain print as a reliable biometric. That includes tackling the questions most people have when they hear about this technology. The first one is how unique that biometric is you know, among human populations. So we want to increase the size of the human participants pool because in our previous studies, we normally involve like 30 to 50 human participants. We want to increase the size of the human participant pool and to further verify the idea. That's the number one question. The second question is how permanent of the biometrics, because we mentioned that the brain print, unlike the existing biometrics, the brain print is cancelable. Cancelable means that you have some advantages, but you also have some limitations. People are concerned about, you know, you know how long, you know, after half a year or one year, maybe my brain print will feel because I built up some new memory and knowledge over the, this period of time. So we will keep working on the permanence, you know, the stability over the time. We have already conducted experiments you know, over a few weeks, a few months, and we are continuing our study into the new stage that we are coming into the second year. So we want to see you know, how long those brain prints will start to change. That's the second direction. The third direction is we are obviously we are investigating some new you know, signal processing technology to make the brain print recognition process more accurate and more fast. At the very beginning, what we imagine is this technology will be truly useful for those high-secure agencies because they demand a uh, you know, rather high-level security level. And just like I think in last year, in September, the U.S. government identified the risk, you know, millions of people, most of government people, the million people's fingerprints database has been attacked. So that will, you know, apply a significant risk to the society, to the nation. So we think about giving the new technology for that, and we can imagine that this kind of cancelable biometrics that can be widely applied in the near future. The team says the equipment is too expensive and the verification process is too time-consuming for brain print to be used on a wide scale yet. But its high level of accuracy is promising as technology advances. Thank you to Dr. Jean-Peng Jin of Binghamton University, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Regarding ID podcast.